My name is Keith Beavers, and are you cappuccino or are you latte? It seems like there's a very big difference in preference here. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 11 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tasting director of Vine Pair. And what's the three one, the four one one, the three? What's the what's the thing? I don't know. Today we're going to talk about that thing that you pour wine into, then you take that to your face. It's called a wine glass. What is it for? What does it mean? Is is there is there is there any rhyme to the reasons? And what does that mean? Let's just talk about glassware. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Ian J Gallo Winery. At Ian J Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings, and yo. It was humble, like a house in a field in Modesto, California. The hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, or making every day sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini and Napa. And guys, that is a legacy. We'll get into it at some point. We are here to welcome new consumers into our category, make it easier to enjoy wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What is a wine glass? You know, it's isn't it weird? Like we've been we're on episode eleven right now, and I think I've said this multiple times. It's yet another thing that stresses everyone out. It's just it is. And it, what's weird about a wine glass is it's not as intense as everyone thinks, but because of the way that these things are marketed to us and the way that they look and the prices and all this, it seems like a very, very like vicious cycle, you know, like, Oh my God, I gotta get, I gotta get wine glasses. Which ones do I get? I don't want them to break. So I'm not gonna get those cause those are really expensive. But if I get the cheaper ones, I mean, are those even wine glasses? I mean, what are we doing? I, I need help. I mean, sometimes it's like, what if we didn't have wine glasses? <laughs> what if we didn't need these things? Well, we don't need them. You don't need a wine glass, but wine glasses can help if you want to understand wine a little bit more. And the, the function of a wine glass, it's more like an instrument or a tool for you. Like um, Jedi wine master Jancis Robinson says, it's an instrument to help communicate wine to your senses. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what she says. But we didn't always have wine glasses. You know, wine has been around for a very, very, very long time. And it wasn't until the 18th century that we really started getting around to a wine glass. Before that, it was like wooden cups, you know, clay cups, amphora cups, cups. I mean, there is evidence of glass in the ancient world, but the Romans mostly had, they were mostly a a bowl shape and reserved for the wealthy. It wasn't until the 15th century in Venice that became a sort of center of the artisan, the art of blowing glass, that we started to see the emergence of what we know as the wine glass today. And there's a thought that that shape came out of religion meaning that the chalice that was used in Catholic religion to hold up the, 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 the wine for church, it was held up because, you know, it was easier to hold it up with a stem. So it's thought that that kind of stem idea came from, from there. 
But something was happening over in Bohemia, which is now the western part of the Czech Republic, just north of Austria. They had created this material called potash, or potash. And it was very unique to this area of the world and the resources they had around them. I don't understand it too much. <laughs> it's not my field, but I, it was like a bunch of manufactured minerals and salts. And because of this particular material, it made much more elegant, long-lasting glass to the point where Bohemian glass became some of the most popular glass in the world, overtaking the Italian glass. So Bohemian glass was riding high. It was popular as all get out until the 18th century because the English created something. They realized if they could add lead to glass, which we'll get into in a second, they can make more durable glassware that can be actually be created more for the masses. And then that became the norm, and Bohemian glass was sort of like relegated to fine, elegant crystal. I mean, all this glass I'm talking about is not, was not specifically for wine glasses, but wine glasses were kind of part of this evolution. But this thing called a wine glass, which we in America call stemware, you know, it wasn't always the thing to do. I, this is going to sound really crazy. I have a friend who does deep sea diving. He had a chance to uh, dive the shipwreck of the Andrea Doria, which was a ship liner from the 1950s that sunk. And he was in the first class section of the ship when he was, you know, swimming around. And he found first class wine glasses. So he grabbed a couple of them and he brought them to me. It's, just, it's amazing. There are these little wine glasses, and they're about three and a half inches tall, and the mouth of the glass is about two and a half inches. So this is first-class Italian culture ocean liner, and they didn't even have stemware. So stemware's not always been a thing. I'll put a picture of this wine glass on my Instagram, at Keith. It's fascinating stuff. Also, my Italian grandfather, Vincent Marchione, used to drink wine only out of a juice glass. Even when I in the wine, when I was into wine, I would offer him Chianti or something. He would rather have it in a juice glass because for him, in his European background, wine was not separate from a meal. It was part of the meal. The wine glass as we know it, stemware as we know it, what it really is, is it's a... Um, it's, it's meant to help you understand the wine that you're drinking a little bit more. There are things, there's a functionality of, to a wine glass. And whether by accident or intent, the three basic parts of a wine glass are perfect for what it needs to do. And then over time, it's been evolved into different, different designs. The three parts of a wine glass, you got the base or the foot, you have the stem, and you have the bowl. Now the foot or the base obviously is so that the wine glass doesn't tip over, but also, it's a nice place to put your fingers if you want to agitate a wine to open it up a little bit or start to swirl or even learn how to swirl. The base of the wine is a really great place to learn how to swirl a wine. It's actually where I learned how to, that's how I learned how to swirl a wine. You know, I put the, the base of my hand, just rest it on a table, and then put two, my, my first and second finger on the, on, the, on, the, on the foot and just kind of like agitate a little bit and slowly but surely start swirling it a little bit. And then eventually, once you're comfortable with that, you can pick it up and swirl it. That's how I started. It's pretty cool. The second part, the stem, is an extremely important part of the wine glass. In that, wine, red or white, throughout history, it has been shown that when a wine is served at a certain temperature, it opens up in such a gradual way that it really amplifies your enjoyment of the wine. The gradual coming to room temperature is one of the most beautiful things 
a wine can do to your brain. So the stem is used as the handle to drink the wine. The reason why in the wine world we don't put our hands around the bowl of the wine glass is because the heat from your hand will warm the wine up at a more rapid pace. Alcohol will evaporate at a more rapid pace and your enjoyment of the wine will be fine. Nothing's gonna, it's not gonna ruin anything. It's just gonna make it warm faster. So usually what we do is we have to hold it by the stem and drink it from there so that we can allow the glass, the, the wine to come to room temperature on its own. And usually when you're served a wine in a restaurant, the red wine is served between 45 and 65 degrees Fahrenheit. A white wine is served between 45 and 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So when you're drinking out of a stemware, you'll really notice, especially in a restaurant environment, how these wines kind of open up if you're using the stem to swirl and sip. At home, you may not have the, the means of, of getting these temperatures just right. And it does, that's why it's a range. It doesn't really matter. But if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your white wine is cold, if your red wine is at room temperature, the stem still is, is important if you want to really kind of not warm it up that fast. And now for the bowl. The single most important thing in a wine glass is where it keeps the wine in. Now the bowl of a wine glass has gone through, you'll see all different kinds of bowls of wine glasses. You'll see the cylindrical thing from Cougar Town. You'll see the big bulbous ones from Scandal. God, I miss Scandal. What a great show. But really, ideally, what you want to really kind of enhance what's going on in that glass is you want the bowl to start wide and then gradually curve up into a more narrow mouth that's more narrow than it is at the bottom of the bowl just enough that you can get your nose in there because what's happening is the way that bowl is designed as the wine oxidizes and evaporates and the alcohol starts evaporating what's coming off that alcohol are flavor compounds and they're hovering right over the wine and they're being trapped in that sort of invert of the interior wall of the wine so you have all this aroma just sitting there so when you put your nose in there, you're really going to get the aromas that are trapped there, which is really awesome. Just think about that. It's so cool. Because when you fill up a glass of wine, you're not going to fill it to the rim, you, especially with one of these bowls. You want to fill it until just when the bowl starts to curve. That's as much wine as you need in a glass if you want to get the aromas and stuff. Then what you do, is like this goes back to our first episode, or second episode, you smell it. And then you swirl it a little bit if you can or agitate it. You smell it again. And what's happening is you're noticing how the wine is changing. But what's happening is all those flavor compounds are being held in that little pocket. And they're called volatile aromas or flavor compounds. Volatile just means easily evaporated under normal temperatures. So as the temperature gets normal, as the wine starts to warm up, these volatile aromas evaporate. And then you go into your nose. And then as you swirl, it changes that's what you're basically capturing the wine right there in the bowl of the wine. If you have more of those, one of those cylindrical ones or one has a big wide mouth like the Andrea Doria first class glasses, it's not going to trap aromas as much. But that's just a function. It doesn't matter what you do. And that's the basic functionality of a wine glass. Pretty easy, right, guys? All right, go ahead and, go ahead and buy your wine glasses. Oh, that's right. There's more to say because... That's the part that's weird, right? Buying the wine glass, like which one should you buy? Should you buy the really expensive crystal stuff or should you just buy some straight up stuff you can find that just you can afford? And the, the answer is yes. <laughs> buy whatever you want. We were talking about the English and how they, um, 
added lead to glass. And what that did was it made the wine glasses more sturdy. And the more affordable wine glasses out there have, have certain amounts of lead in them. 1%, up to 20%, up to 40% of lead. That's all. The 40% is the max you can put in, in, a, in a glass. And all that does is it makes the wines, the wine glasses easier to manage. They don't break as often in the, uh, in the dishwasher. And that's, but the thing is they function just as well as any other. They're, they're, they're wine glasses. They're good. They're fine. Whether they're $15 or whether they're $30, they're wonderful. There is something so beautiful about crystal wine glasses. And remember we were talking about the Bohemia, the Bohemian glass? Well, that started the whole crystal thing. And in America, we consider crystal glass with only 1% of lead in it. So what you're seeing, what you'll have here is a glass, a wine glass that is more fragile. It doesn't, it's not as sturdy. But the thing about these wine glasses, as expensive as they are, the perfectness about them is not only do they feel amazing and look amazing and you're worth it, <laughs> but it is when you put your lips to that glass, there is a thin layer between you and that wine. It's just this perfect transfer of awesomeness from the glass to your palate. And there's no real dip or lip on the rim it's just a clean, smooth, beautiful, neutral drinking experience. And there are companies like Riedel, they're Austrian, by the way, very close to the Bohemian thing. They design glasses that are specific for certain wines made from certain areas. And they believe that the, the, the construction and design of these glasses maximize the aromatic experience of each of these, of, of each of these wines. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's cool, it's fun. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. If you want to start collecting them, you might need some storage because it's like all different kinds of stuff. They even have one for a Coca-Cola glass, just to kind of put that out there. And actually, Riedel is the company that invented the stemless wine glass. Okay, you're like, all right, Keith, we just went through this whole thing about putting your grubby paws all over the bowl and how it warms it up fast. What are we talking about over here? Well, the thing is, my theory, well, the, these wine, these stemless wine glasses were, were created specifically for mobility, to bring to a picnic, to bring to a movie theater, to bring to a friend's house, something like that. It's sort of an outdoor thing. And usually when you're doing outdoor stuff, you're doing a picnic, it's going to be warm out. And often when it's going to be warm out, you want all the wine you're going to drink chilled, whether it's red or white, and it's a more casual environment. You're not drinking wines that are aged or very complex. You're drinking fun, enjoyable, young, fresh wines that are meant to be consumed in the first year or three. That's what these wines are, these wine glasses are for. The stainless wine glass is just sort of a playful, fun wine glass to have chilled wine in that it doesn't matter if it comes to room temperature fast or not. That's my theory. And they're fun to have around. I got to say, though, the thing about these wine glasses that propose that they're enhancing specific wines from the world in certain glasses, don't feel pressure to buy these. Buy them because they're beautiful, because they're well manufactured and they're designed wonderfully. But there, there is no scientific evidence to prove that if you put a Cabernet in a Chianti glass, that it's not going to smell like a Chianti. That this is, there's nothing, 
it doesn't make any sense. And there was a study in 2004 out of Yale University that proved that this is not true. So buy these wine-specific glasses if you'd like, but just know that you're buying them because they're beautiful, not because they're functioning like this is a Cabernet glass. If you put anything else in this, it's not going to be awesome. It's not true. It's going to be awesome no matter what. So after all that science and awesomeness, like, oh my God, we're just going, we're putting our nose in there as a design. Oh man, the, the wine glass is designed this wonderful way and we're getting all this stuff. What about sparkling wine? What, why do we put sparkling wine in flutes? Well, we used to not do that. Flutes, before flutes came along, they were put in like little coops that are now used for cocktails. But the flute was designed specifically to, for presentation. Sparkling wine looks absolutely beautiful in a flute glass. It concentrates all those bubbles so you see them kind of going up in DNA strands at the top. And it also concentrates the mousse, that sort of frothy white head from the sparkling wine. It just creates a nice visual experience for this really wacky stuff called sparkling wine. But if you want to enjoy a sparkling wine the way you would a white or a red, you can pour sparkling wine into a regular wine glass. Because all that carbonation that's soaked into the wine, it takes a long time for CO2 to leave a wine. It takes a while. So when you put it into a wine glass, not a flute, you're not losing a lot. You're just losing a little bit of the visual. And you're going to get your nose in there, and you're really going to kind of experience the sparkling wine, you know, as you would a red or white, so you can actually get aromas from it. And I bring this up because it's becoming kind of popular. There are um, restaurants now that they don't refuse to serve sparkling wine in a flute glass, but they encourage uh, diners and consumers to enjoy sparkling wine in a regular wine glass. So you're going to see it around, but you can do whatever you want at home. You know, flute, non-flute, it's up to you. Okay, you're like, okay, this is awesome, Keith. What do I actually do? Well... There's an idea out there that white wine aromatizes differently than red wine. So because of, well, that's a fact. And because of that, smaller wine glasses are more advantageous for white wine. And you're going to see them out there. So all you really need to do, wine lovers, is get a set of red wine glasses. They're the bigger ones. And a set of white wine glasses. They're the smaller ones. And then get some flutes to kind of switch it up every now and then, and that's really all you need. And spend whatever you want to spend. It doesn't matter. Everything else is just dressing. You want to get the really site-specific glasses. You want to get some crystal. You want to get nice. That's awesome. You don't have to, but it's really great. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this stuff. It's like the wine glass is a functional thing. And then if you have those, that works. The one thing to consider is when you're buying wine glasses, just make sure that bowl narrows up towards the mouth so you can capture all those aromas, and that's basically it. There is another piece of glassware you might want. It's called a decanter, and we're going to get all into decanters very soon. So I hope I allayed some fears about stemware and wine glasses for you guys. It's just a really awesome functional instrument, and it doesn't have to be crazy fancy, but it can if you want to be. Stemware, wine glasses, it's not about status. It's about functionality, and it doesn't matter what kind of money you have to spend on it. There's always going to be a wine glass for you somewhere at the right price, at the right functionality. And actually, if you're looking for some stemware or, or glassware, after this episode is over, just go to vinepair.com. We have a store. We sell all different kinds of stemware and glassware. 
all the stuff that I've talked about, and then some more. So kind of, you're kind of set, wine lovers. You're kind of set. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, digging what I'm saying, go ahead and tell your friends to subscribe to Wine 101. Maybe give me a rating on iTunes. And if you like to type, maybe type a little review. Like, I don't know, Keith likes wine. <laughs> I don't know. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at VinePair. And don't forget to listen to the VinePair podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the VinePair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I got to thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I want to thank the Vine Pear staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At E&J Gallo Winery, we exist to serve life's most joyful and memorable moments. From our humble beginnings, the hallmark of our company has been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine for all consumers to enjoy. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with Lamarca Prosecco, or continuing a legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we are here to welcome new customers into our category, make it easier to enjoy our wines, and capture attention in the moments that matter. Cheers, and all the best. <laughs>